Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. And I'm Grayson. And I kind of tripped over that intro. And I was way too aggressive. (laughs) We have to go back! We are continuing our megathon uh, for the month of February. We are watching movies, romantic uh, comedies in particular, starring the wonderful talent Meg Ryan. And we are continuing that with Sleepless in Seattle. Just can't get any sleep in that rainy, rainy city. Nope, not even a little bit. Like we said last time, uh, if you haven't listened, go ahead and take a listen. It's good. Um, But we talked about how this movie uh, was one of the first movies that we were watching where we, both of us, had not seen the movie prior to recording. Usually one of us has seen the movie when we review this uh, at some point in time in our past. But this is the first time that we were both watching it for the first time ever. That's true. It's historical. Yeah. So I mean, for us, not not in like the history of the world, but in the history of our friendship in this podcast. Yeah. It's historical. Yeah. So you can tweet this or put make a Facebook post about it, and then on Time Hop from a year from now, it'll show up as the historical episode of Flashback Flicks podcast. If you so choose, <laughs> you can maybe submit it to your chamber of commerce. Mm-hmm. We can get a plaque. Mm-hmm. Uh, made i don't know where we'd probably put it in seattle yeah probably yeah i think Uh, they deserve it Uh, even though neither one of us live there i've never even been to seattle i went once uh for a fair trade convention and Hmm. it was stressful more so just being there and getting around um more than the actual fair trade stuff it was actually really interesting and informative um but that city uh Hmm is just filled with sleepless people. I imagine. Most of the parties probably kick up around 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. To go till sunrise. Yeah, no, I've never been to Seattle, but uh, I did go to a Borders one time, and they had (laughs) uh, apparently the best coffee that that city (laughs) has to offer. But let's get into uh, some history of this movie. So Sleepless in Seattle opened on June 25th, in 1993, um, an opening weekend, the movie brought in $17 million in the North American box office, uh, and it was behind, get this, Jurassic Park on its Ooh. third weekend. It still couldn't beat out Jurassic Park. Um, well, that'd be tough. Oh, yeah. That'd be tough. Yeah. But at the end of it, the uh, at the end of its run, the movie made $126 million in the United States and Canada, as well as $101 million dollars internationally for a grand total movie math um 200 billion dollars something like that with other numbers attached to it um and it was received fairly well by critics a lot of people enjoyed it even roger ebert from the chicago sun times said that sleeps in seattle is a ephemeral as the talk show as contrived as the late show and yet so warm and gentle i smiled the whole way through And if you didn't get a chance to watch the movie, we'll give you a quick synopsis. So after the death of his wife, uh, Sam Baldwin, played by Tom Hanks, moved to Seattle with his son Jonah, uh, played by Ross Mallinger. Uh, And when Jonah calls into a talk radio program to find a new wife for his father, Sam begrudgingly gets on the line to discuss his feelings. And then Annie Reed, played by Meg Ryan, a reporter in Baltimore, hears Sam speak about 
uh, his life and his situation, and then she falls for him, even though she's engaged. So unsure where it will lead, she writes Sam a letter asking him to meet her in the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day, and that's the abridged version of the movie, basically. So, just to be clear in the listening of this podcast, Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks is Sam. Correct. And Jonah... Is, is the son. Son. And Annie is Meg Ryan. Right. Yeah, so Meg uh, Ryan is engaged to Bill Pullman in this movie. and From Casper and uh, Independence he Day fame. was in Casper. That's right. That's primarily how I think of Bill Pullman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was in Casper. And, um, oh, man, that's going to add to my headcanon later on. Okay. Um, and then uh, Tom Hanks's best friend is um mr on the family himself rob reiner rob reiner director of when harry met sally yep who had the same writer nora efron yeah who directed and wrote this movie uh an interesting thing i didn't realize about this movie is that it is an adaptation of an affair to remember which is a movie that they reference throughout uh the movie uh i love when movies acknowledge that other movies exist uh, there's a great mm-hmm. line with uh uh meg ryan's best friend character rosie o'donnell who was fantastic in this movie um she said "Prime rosie years oh it was great because she had a line i think my favorite line in the movie is like you don't want to be in love you want to be in love inside of a movie you want movie love i'm just like yes i love this i love this so much because when movies acknowledge that movies exist i feel like the characters just feel more real they feel like they're like us yeah. Yeah. And then another person who I didn't know in this movie is Niles from Frasier. Uh, oh, yeah. I was super surprised to see him. And when I saw his character in there, I was just like, I would cast Grayson as him. Like, he <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting there in his office and he's just talking to Meg because they're, um, they're brother-sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, I would cast Grayson as this. He, he just delivered a line so deadpan. I was like, Grayson would be perfect for this. <laughs> Uh, I get that a lot with David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> yeah, Meg Ryan um, was not the first, second, really third pick for this movie. Yeah, because Julia Roberts was first pick, right? Yeah, and she turned it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Kim Bassinger was offered the role, um, but she thought the premise was ridiculous. <laughs> and then Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jodie Foster, all those people declined, and Meg Ryan landed it. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So there are a ton of uh, people who were up for the role, but Meg Ryan was a great choice. I I thought she was super fun, and uh, I, I just I like I love Meg Ryan's banter, like at the beginning of the movie when she's in her office because she's a journalist, like we said, uh, or she yeah a journalist in the for the, I think the Chicago Times, right? No, or Baltimore Times. She's in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Baltimore version of Chicago Times, uh, <laughs> and and there's this moment in the movie because uh, this movie uh, I'm pretty sure it does take place in 1993. At one point in time, they do mention the 90s, but there's this there's this moment in the movie that completely took me out of the movie. I just couldn't stop laughing uh, because I'm watching it with my wife, and she's researching because you know they she hears. Tom Hanks's character over the radio and she just kind of starts fantasizing and falling in love with him 
And so as a reporter, she's doing her research. So she's typing on a computer and she's just typing words into a black screen. <laughs> My wife is like, what program is, what is she doing? What is she, she knows. What, what program is she typing into? She's just typing words into things and just hitting commands. I'm like, what, what application is this? What, where is this going? And it just, <laughs> she's like, she's just typing words into a black window of nothingness. And we just could not stop laughing. It's just like, Oh man, like how did that work? How did computers work back then? And that was not that long ago. And she is typing on a typewriter in 1993. Like her home computer is just her trying to write a letter to uh, Tom Hanks's character. She's like, Dear Sleepless in Seattle. And she's like, Oh, the typewriter, like, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, throughout the movie, they have, like, a total of, like, two minutes of screen time together. Oh, um, yeah. And you're rooting for them the entire time. And it is, it's, it's a really, it's a cute love story. Like, it's weird because, like, the whole time, like, Meg Ryan just hears Tom Hanks's, uh voice and his story. And she just can't stop daydreaming about him. Even though she's like engaged to a president, uh, like, <laughs> I mean, how are you how are you gonna give up? That's like, that's like, uh, that's like Michelle Obama falling in love with uh, the guy from uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Yeah, I mean, he's a haunted homeowner. <laughs> that's like. Michelle Obama falling in love with Alec Baldwin from Beetlejuice. <laughs> it's exactly that. And uh, <laughs> and so something about their story uh, just really clicked and stuck with her. And it was, I, I mean, I, I was convinced because it, it was, it's out there. Because, like, there are a lot of people who thought the script was ridiculous and even thought that they weren't right for the role. Tom Hanks was one of the people who originally turned down the role. He's like, I don't think I'm the right guy for this. Um, but he eventually got won over by, um, I believe miss, uh, Efron. She's like, no, it's you. It has to be you. Um, well, they also had some buy-in too, because Penny Marshall, uh, directed Tom Hanks in Big and A League of Their Own. She was the ex-wife of Rob Reiner, who we had already mentioned, played Jay, Penny Marshall being the sister of Gary Marshall, who was originally supposed to direct the film mm -hmm. and before uh, Nora Ephron took over. This was actually her directorial debut. Um, Interesting. She's mostly known to be a screenwriter. Yeah. So she, she did direct uh, one piece before this, but this was like her big theatrical release. Um, directorial debut. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I said before, always a fan of more Nora Ephron. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, I mean, she just, she, I think she does a really great job at just writing believable characters um, and just having them just talk normally. Like the, like the conversations just felt very natural. And we just were watching these scenes that were just happening between real people making real decisions. Like when she decided to turn down um, Mr. President um, at the top of uh, a building that is parallel to another New York building. I don't know. 
New York style shoes. But um, Empire State Building? No, it was the thing that across from it. Oh, the other one, the the equally tall restaurant to the Empire State <laughs> yeah, Building. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, when, when that happened, I was like, you know what? I believe it. Like, I believe her character to make that choice. Um, and the movie really makes you want to see an affair to remember because it's a movie that everyone <laughs> is very aware of. Uh, in the world, I, I don't, I don't recall that movie. Not even a little bit. It's apparently it's like a a, a '60s movie. Yeah, an affair to remember uh, that I just happened to know off the top of my head uh, is a movie. Oh my gosh, it is exactly that. So if you look, if you look up a, an affair to remember on IMDb, you will see the movie cover and how it is exactly the same movie oh, cover. Wow, right? It's the exact same yeah. cover to Sleepless in Seattle. So. Um, this was like an adaptation of that and, uh, affair to remember came out in 1957 and, um, and the synopsis for that movie is a couple falls in love and agrees to meet in six months at the empire state building. But will it happen? But will it happen? And, uh, I think it will. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say it will. Yeah. Yeah. And it stars Cary Grant and Deborah Kerr. So maybe we'll have to flash back way back to that movie on another episode of the podcast. Um, but yeah, it's uh, another interesting thing about this movie is that uh, it doubles as yet another Christmas movie and a New Year's movie. Man, the second we just one keep getting these surprise <laughs> Christmas movies. The second one in the megathon. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Christmas and New Year's, and. Um, I, uh, I I really enjoyed just the the just the the timing of like how I like when the stories take place over periods of time and um, yeah it is a solid movie and um, and it, and fun fact this movie actually inspired Up or at least the opening of Up because oh, really? goodness the movie just opens up well she's dead son. You don't know why it happened. It just happened all of a sudden. I'm just like, I thought this was a family Why am I crying so much? I thought this was going to be happy. So, Grayson, when you were growing up, I guess I don't remember radio shows, like caller call-in radio shows. That much. Oh, those kind of radio shows. I was gonna say, well, well, I'm not, you know, 90 years old, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, was that something that you were aware of in '93? I suppose. Uh, yeah, that was something that uh, that I heard, especially because I listened to a lot of family stations mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and they were more concerned with focusing on helping people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, than like the alternative punk rock stations. Um, but they would, uh, yeah, they'd call in and be like, hey, this is my this is my situation. And it wasn't like a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything like that. It wasn't a Frasier type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would just be there to listen. So that wasn't, that wasn't uh, something in the movie that felt out of place or contrived because I do remember listening to those styles of shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there aren't as many shows revolving around it, but I remember having radio stations have like contests. Like I listened like to the like top forty 
um, music shows or um, or oh no, you know what? I remember they would the, the morning shows. They would have like conversations like about dating. I remember trying to call in, say no, like me. This is how I assume I sounded when I was younger. Like no, this, listen, this is how dating works. Like you, you know, I'm twelve, so I know what I'm talking about. And listen, here's what it is, you guys. So I, I remember those kinds of shows, but it was like a, a morning show type thing. It was just, it was more like a talking about this subject more so than it being an advice line. So yeah, that, that was something that I thought was interesting, but like having 2000 listeners, like from across the nation calling into the show, um, was interesting. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, I guess if it was like a, syndicated program that people would call into it yeah i was wondering about that like what's their broadcast range this is way before the days of xm radio or anything like that yeah Uh, that is the thing that would have completely derailed this movie it's just like (laughs) if xm radio existed she'd have over a hundred channels to listen to not sponsored by xm radio yeah this premise is interesting because uh several of the people that's guest star or make cameos in the movie also were on Frasier, which is the same premise of having a, a radio oh, show. Look at that a guy that helps people set in Seattle with toss salad and scrambled eggs. Maybe I hear the blues are calling the salad and scrambled eggs. Oh my copyright. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of our uh, bit of recap from the movie, and uh, we're going to go into one of my favorite sections of the show, uh, where we talk about headcanon. I'm not prepared for this! <laughs> so headcanon is a part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Now, uh, one theme that they do hit on in the movie is the idea of reincarnation, and oh, deja yeah. vu it's it was so eerie because at one point in time he said tom hanks said when i saw her because he randomly bumps into her he's like when i saw her i felt like i've seen her before and i'm just like no you are not doing this because it fits totally with your head cannon from Joe versus Volcano. It's the idea that that girl in his mind does exist and that he can seek her out. Oh man. Like I I I saw them like that is amazing. Wow. So this is the fourth incarnation of Meg Ryan from Joe versus the Volcano. Yep can't believe we're still talking about that movie. <laughs> oh man yeah it, i i mean i i think that is i think that's just perfect i love that that that's my that's what one of my favorite headcanons because it ties into another headcanon and it, i'm just high-fiving myself right now uh, you go blind doing that <laughs> that'll be cut out there's no way that makes the final edit there's no way this is a family program uh, Okay, and I and I do have another one. Yeah. So, Bill Pullman's character, Walter, yeah. He plays a very um well put together guy and he even handles being broken up with by Meg Ryan really really well. 
It's very well adjusted. Yeah. Um, it so much so that I think my head canon is that that gives him the um, like he, he his whole life just got like sidetracked. He's going to marry this woman. He's like, you know what? Listen, and this is me paraphrasing. He's just like, listen, baby, I'm nobody's plan B. You either choose me or you lose me. All right. I, I was like, I'm going to leave my whole life behind. I'm going to change my name to Thomas J. Whitmore and become the president of the United States. And so Sleepless in Seattle takes place in the same universe as Independence Day. Wow. So the Empire State Building does not fare well. No. It's decimated. Decimated. But, you know, I mean, he the way he treated his relationship, he did not go out without a fight. He did not go out of sight. Uh, and he said Valentine's Day will no longer be a day. No longer be an American holiday. But a day where we all come together. I'm just going to continue to... You get the bit. Um, <laughs> I see what you're doing and I love it. <laughs> totally works. But yeah, anyway, that's my headcanon. Nice. Now, I, I know a lot of times I do headcanon where... Like, oh, this wasn't real, or that was that. But it was really hard not to take this movie at face value, just because it is such a sweet story. Until you realize that Tom Hanks and Jonah the Little Boy are the same person. (laughs) Oh, I'm in. in. In the wake of his wife's death, he creates an alter ego of the child they never were able to have. Oh my gosh. And leads him to make the call. Why do they have two identical phones that can both reach the same location in the house? Wow. There is not a lot of interaction between the child and basically anyone else in the movie. He talks almost exclusively to Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I believe Jonah is Sam's subconscious. Wow. Which is also something that ties into the Fight Club element of it, which is just what we call it now, <laughs> uh, that Edward Norton establishes that it wasn't until he stopped sleeping that he started having the visions. Oh, wow. Just when I think you can't surprise me anymore, <laughs> you do that and completely redeem yourself. No, that that is amazing. And fun fact about uh, Ross Mallinger, who plays Jonah Baldwin, um, you, some people might recognize him and his voice because um, he was he played T.J. Detweiler in the ABC uh, animated show Recess. Oh. He was the first D.J. Detweiler, and then it was taken over by uh, one of the Lawrence brothers. Uh, and you also might recognize him from the Disney Channel original movie Toothless uh, with Christy Alley. Oh, Christy Alley? Yeah. Who was on Cheers, Oh, where Frasier was born. Oh. That has Niles. My goodness. It's coming full circle. Full circle. Go straight to the top. Oh, another connection we didn't establish was Rita Wilson's in this movie, who is the wife of Tom Hanks. Yeah, she played Susie, who was the wife of uh, Victor Garber from Alias fame and um, Legally Blonde fame and just being famous fame. And uh, yeah, a lot of cameos in this movie. Yeah. A lot of cameos, including 
Francis Conroy, who you know as Barney Stinson's mother in How I Met Your Mother. That's right. Yeah, she- I know as super creepy characters from American Horror Story, because you and I watch very different television. <laughs> anyway, I think that's our headcanon. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and now we're going to go on to uh, my new favorite segment, uh, recently introduced by Grayson, called Second Take Titles. Yeah. So this is part of the take. Second take titles. Second to take titles. We'll use one of those. Yes. So this is a part of the show where we discuss alternate titles for the movie. So Sleepless in Seattle, you know, it comes from the caller name. Usually they'd be like, all right, so this is confused in connecticut or like they just give them surnames uh yeah they use that in the movie disappointed in denver yeah. was uh one of them voiced by nora efron by the way yeah. but yeah it's kind of a convention of the call yeah so one thing that the movie does is it talks a lot about like signs um just like oh my gosh it's a sign my my dress ripped it was a sign or like oh my gosh look at the giant heart on the Empire State Building, it's a sign. <laughs> on Valentine's Day, it's a sign of all the days. Everybody is seeing it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> That's I would call the movie uh, Signs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and it would be directed by uh, M Night Shyamalan. Love me some M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> what about something along the lines of chasing the sleepless in Seattle? He he wants the new the new mom, the new wife, uh, like. Mama Insomnia. That's what it'd be called. I like it. Mama Insomnia. Mama Insomnia. <laughs> what a horrible title. <laughs> uh, I think it could, like, because, like, him not sleeping didn't play as much into the movie as I thought it would be. Like, I've... It's not like The Machinist. <laughs> right. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting it to be... Um, more in the vein of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like it just having to do with like his maybe him daydreaming or dreaming up this girl or something like that. I thought it was gonna have more to do with that, honestly, than it having to do with a radio call. Uh, but yeah, but yeah I, I think uh, Insomnia would be a good one, or just like, um, no, yeah. No, I think Insomnia Mama is the closest we're going to get to it. <laughs> because the movie really is more about the kid convincing the dad to, you know, meet up with this girl that he, like, because he, I, I think it, it could have been a um, casting mom or something like that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Calling all moms. Ooh, I like that. That would be wow. really good. A Disney original movie. <laughs> Followed by a rerun of Brink. <laughs> Another thing I noticed in the movie is how like people just have sense senses about things. Like Jonah's like, no, she this girl's the wrong girl for you, Dad, and this girl's the right girl. And even um Jonah's little love interest girl, um, who <laughs> I was at first I was like, this girl is just making up acronyms. She like she goes throughout the movie, she's like, uh, Y O H. I just she's like, Well, well what does that mean? It means your only hope. I was like, okay, really? Does that does that need to be abbreviated? But then my wife said, nah, 
girl was ahead of her time. Like, she really was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We do that thing. Um, but, yeah, everyone just kind of has this sense of, like, knowing what's the right thing to do. Like, Tom Hanks gets stopped by Meg Ryan just from some kind of sense. So I would have alternatively named this movie uh, Sixth Sense. <laughs> because a sixth sense is love. And do you know what love is? Love is also unbreakable. <laughs> yes. Tom Hanks, he lost his wife, but he is still intact. And he moved to one of the most depressing uh, parts of the world, Seattle, uh, and he did not break. He was unbreakable. Mm. That's good. He was unbreakable. He just wants to raise his kid, and everyone knows to, to raise a child, it takes a village. <laughs> Keep it going. I like it. Yeah. I mean, she's going to have to move to Seattle, one of the rainiest cities in the world. She's going to be a lady in the water. Uh, subscribe to the Flashback Flicks podcast where you will get this. <laughs> Just more of this. <laughs> that was good. M. Night Shyamalan puns. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we can top that. I think, we, uh, I think it's time to go on to uh, the part of the show where we talk about recasts and remakes. Oh, no theme for that. Okay, cool. No uh, theme. I guess we don't have any theme music. <laughs> I thought we had some theme music queued up for that. And... Nope. Uh, so basically, we talk about this movie. Uh, if it were to be made today, or if they were to remake it, uh, what would the storyline be? And who would you cast? I feel like this is just begging to be Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. So <laughs> we'll say that. We'll get it out of the way. Okay, that's done. Yeah. Now we can move on. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the movie... I, I, I honestly think the movie, because it is an adaptation of another movie, I think it is it really needs to be remade because part of the movie does talk about commentary with modern day dating. Um, back in the day, uh, <laughs> a fun little tidbit is that uh, Rob Reiner in the studios got called because they make a tiramisu reference and people are like, because Google wasn't around, basically. Like, what's tiramisu? What's this thing that all the kids are doing? Tiramisu? Is that like is that like a sexual act? And they're like, that's an Italian dish, people. I didn't know that was a new dessert in the <laughs> English vernacular. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people called the studios. So what's tiramisu? I thought it was like spaghetti. <laughs> like, as far as being just known. Yeah, apparently we just, I mean, I think back in the 90s. Oh, when we brought it over on the <laughs> Nina Pinta and Santa Maria, we introduced tiramisu to the new world. <laughs> How did we not know about this? <laughs> oh, goodness. What were you talking about? <laughs> no idea. Rob Reiner and his tiramisu. Yeah, that's right. Uh, pe- people were really confused by that. Um but yeah, I feel like this movie is begging to be made in a modern day setting, uh, mm-hmm. similar to "I Love You, Man," which is kind of a movie about um, like how do you find friends as an adult? It would be like you know how do you get back into the dating game after you've been out of it for so long? And um, I think if they did a remake of that, it would be. I think. I mean, I'm so glad I brought that up. Yes, that'd be great. I think again, we don't see enough Jason Siegel. Love me some Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. And 
would be the Meg Ryan type character. For Meg Ryan, I didn't have a recast of Tom Hanks, but Meg Ryan I thought would be great uh, with Amy Adams. Ooh, yeah, that's perfect. I like that. Actually, Robert Downey Jr. would also do well. Ooh, yeah, I would love to see that. Like Robert Downey Jr. and Amy Adams, and then the internet could just explode with how Iron Man took Superman's girl. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think if we had a remake, um, we can get we can give everyone the Friends remake that they've been wanting, and we get Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. Oh, and whoever played Ross, David Schwimmer. <laughs> David Schwimmer. I could not remember his name for my life. Uh, bringing it back. That happened to me on an airplane once, and I couldn't check my phone because I didn't want the plane to crash. <laughs> And I had to spend like good 35 minutes before I could remember his name. It was horrible. From that day forward, he never forgot. But now I always know David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. I don't know about you, but maybe it's just because Tom Hanks is a architect. But do you have a a map? Like a map of the world in your home? I used to have one uh, that was up at my at my last place. And I had push pins in it to cities I had been in. Before that, my college shower curtain was a giant map of the world. Why do you ask? This movie had a lot of maps. Yeah. And I was like, huh. Because like, at the beginning of the movie, he's like, hey, uh, do you know where Baltimore is? He's like, someplace in the middle. I'm like, yeah, that was my guess, too. <laughs> then he looked at the map and pointed to Baltimore. I was like, I, I still don't know where you're pointing to. So yeah, it's a train ride away from Washington D.C. Oh yeah, which fits into my head canon that he went to D.C. and became the president. <laughs> he was so he close. Was so close. That's really all it takes to be the president is proximity to Washington D.C. All it takes. I'm in L.A. I have no shot <laughs> of being the president. Oh, I should have thought about that. Should have thought about that. Uh, okay, so. The movie is called Sleepless in Seattle, and so I wanted to uh, quickly uh, ask you, Grayson, if you had a caller pseudonym. Is that a pseudonym? I like it. I forget it. how words work sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, What would yours be? Hmm. So I'd be calling from Los Angeles. Yeah. So it would have to start with an L. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're, you don't, your call does not get answered. Uh, and then an attribute about myself, mm-hmm. but typically it's a it's a bad thing that you're re- you're wrestling with, something you're struggling with. It, so it's more like, of like a, a where you are at, I'd say. Okay, so more not like a character trait, right, more like a situation. Like he's sleepless. He's the do uh, di- dieting in Denver. She's yeah, yeah. If if the movie were about Meg Ryan, she would be befuddled in Baltimore, which I'm sure was what the original movie was going to be titled. You see that on the first page, like, uh, well, I got one note for you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, one th- one thing I have is I've never really been great at working out, and so I, I'd love it if I could be just one of those guys who's like yeah time to hit the gym do some reps uh just to be healthier um so i'd probably say 
I'm languid in Los Angeles. Uh, what? Languid? Yeah, I went back to the same machine we used for the Charlie Brown episode and uh, pulled up some <laughs> different words. What about you? Would you do from Fort Worth or from Dallas? Um, I'd go with Dallas distraught. Yeah, distraught in Dallas. Distraught in Dallas. There you yeah. go. That's a good one. Yeah. Or da- daisy-like in Dallas. Daisy-like? Yeah, you know, daisy-like definition resembling a daisy. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Ah, dreamless in Dallas. Dreamless in Dallas. That's good because it goes with the sleepless thing. Yeah, dreamless. You hear that, Hollywood? If you want the remake, come to Dallas. Okay, I think that's as good a place as any uh, to go into our uh, final segment of the show where we give our reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, why would you recommend this movie? It's a touching story. Uh, well acted, a lot of really funny moments along with some uh, very honest performances. And uh, I, I do enjoy the polar opposite play. Thematically, it plays really well from East Coast to West Coast, um, then even having the uh, the element of uh, him only being able to see her occasionally while she exclusively hears him for a large part of the film. Um, it, it kind of plays with the polar opposite effect there. Um, and just their, their situation also plays to the polar opposite that he wants to be with someone, doesn't know who that is. Um, and she is with someone that she doesn't want to be with. Uh, so it, it plays with a lot of those interesting dynamics. And, uh, I think it's a, a fun dance to see these people, unknowingly get closer and closer um, towards the end of the movie. Uh, And then having that classic character, in this case, the son, playing the meddler matchmaker that is uh, orchestrating all of it. So a lot of really great, bright characters, um, people working at the height of their intelligence and just being honest. It's a it's a fun, touching film. Yeah, I uh, I really like the film. Uh, Nora Ephron, she, like I said before, I love the way that she writes her characters. Um, mm-hmm. They feel very real and honest. And if you're looking for a great performance of uh, Rosie O'Donnell, that's not from the Flintstones. Uh, or Harriet the Spy. Yeah, or Harriet the Spy. Uh, this is another movie with her in it. Um <laughs> But also, that's that's going to be our next trilogy that we look at, <laughs> the O'Donnell verse. But my reasons for recommending this movie is it's a sweet love story, um, and it I I love like I said before I love movies that reference other movies and that are inspired by other movies. So I think this movie inspired several other uh, love across or love despite all the odds kind of story and i'm just kind of a sucker for those type of movies so highly recommend it but that about does it for our review of sleepless in seattle let us know what you thought of sleepless in seattle on our twitter we are at flashback flicks and let us know what you thought of our review on itunes it would mean so much to us for you to write us uh, a love letter, if you so choose. Uh, and you can even sign it using an alias. Like, I'm 
listening in Louisiana, and I thought that this podcast was, on a scale of Meg Ryan's, Meg Ryan in one of these movies. That's just one example. <laughs> um, yeah, and it would mean a lot to us, and it would really help us out on the podcast. So, Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. So be sure to join us for the last movie in our Megathon, where we... That's right, you've got mail, so check your inbox uh, for some some free hours of internet, because <laughs> there should be a disc waiting for you there. It should be uh, addressed from the Flashback Flicks podcast, uh, but until then, remember to be kind and rewind. <laughs>